Welcome to the Continuous Revenue Marketer Podcast, where the most influential marketers in the world are sharing their insights and lessons on the critical topic chief executives must address daily, how to deliver profitable revenues consistently for their organization through customer growth and lifetime value optimization, and most importantly, what strategies, tactics, and methodologies they're employing to achieve these goals with a high ROI on their marketing spend. Hi, I'm Russell Kern, CEO and founder of Kern, an Omnicom agency, and I'm joined with my co-host and producer, Elliot Dennis. And today we have a very special guest who will be joining us, Shiona McDougall from RAP, with who brings us over 20 years of experience as the Global Chief Marketing Strategy Officer, if I think I have that correct. Yes, Global Chief Strategy Officer. And she has got some great information to share with our listeners today. And so, Shiona, I want to welcome you. Where are you now in the world? Um, hi, Russell. I'm in London today. Uh, having just actually flown back from Berlin, I was in Berlin yesterday. Um, but today I'm in London, which is uh, where I live. Ah, nice. Wonderful. Can you, um, it's kind of magical, isn't it, that you're in London and we're in California and Elliot's in Chicago. I just... With all my gray hair, I love all this. So it's wonderful. How about we give our listeners a little bit of background on yourself and the path you took to get you to your current role? Okay. Um, so uh, I'm global CSO for RAP, like you like you mentioned. And um, I've actually been at RAP in London for 11 years already, doing various strategy roles Um along the way to uh, till I got to the point um, a few years ago where I took on the role of global CSO. Um, but actually throughout my whole career, I would say I've always been a commercially oriented marketeer. Um, in the olden days, we used to call it direct marketing. Um, but, <laughs> I but, remember those. Yeah. <laughs> um, but actually, I think it, it's a kind of commercial orientation, always looking for the next thing that's going to give competitive edge for the businesses that I work with. Um, and sometimes that's an insight that will springboard into amazing creative ideas. And sometimes that's about adopting new technologies or ways of doing things that will help a business leapfrog. And for me, the outcome is what matters most. That's and I've wonderful. done that throughout my career, both client side and in agency side roles. Okay. Um, and that got me here today, based in London, still looking for insights, springboards and leapfrog opportunities for the clients that I work with. And a lover of the zombie apocalypse, which we'll cover. Before, yeah. we, before we get to the zombie apocalypse, um, just give a smattering of some of the clients you've worked for. Okay. so. Uh, um, in theory, I work across all of RAP's clients um, as needed, um, but I do, of course, have uh, some favourites. I think I think I'm not supposed to say that, but it's like having a favourite child. I think people do have favourites. Um, uh, the the ones I'm working on at the moment, for example, are Ford uh, a little bit um, and PayPal, which is a fascinating business, and of course has gone skyrocket since the beginning of the apocalypse, or sorry, the COVID-19 COVID <laughs> uh, COVID. uh, pandemic. Um, also clients like Virgin, I love the Virgin brand and I have enjoyed working on the, on the Virgin brand, particularly with Virgin Media here in London uh, for several years now. And, um, 
and and Samsung, Samsung is a brilliant client to work with. Uh, so innovative, so exciting. And we do lots of social activity with Samsung, which is um, innovative and exciting and uh, wow. and technology based. So uh, what what a diverse experience yeah. that you bring to uh, your clients. And, and I think that's a important for any marketer. I know many of our chief marketers have that as young, but for any young marketers listening, diversity is the key to wisdom and knowledge on your career growth. So, so you wrote an article about the zombie apocalypse in the cookieless world. Uh, I'd like to talk about, first of all, what makes you a fan of zombie apocalypses? And then um, as you go, let, let's talk about the cookieless world, the zombie cookieless world, because I know that's a very passionate yeah. topic. So of yours. Um, I'm going to be absolutely unapologetic for the hyperbole um, of relating marketing challenge to the zombie apocalypse. Um, and that is partly because I do love the zombie apocalypse genre. Um, uh, maybe, you know, several years ago, I might have thought of zombie movies as sort of silly uh, blood and guts uh, stories that probably wouldn't have interested me. But it was actually The Walking Dead, the TV series that got me hooked. And it was through this absolutely amazing show that I realised that zombie movies and zombie shows are not actually about zombies. They're about people. Oh. And what I've come to realise is that every other genre of um, movie or story, in fact, more than every other genre of movie or story, um, the, the zombie genre is about people because usually what happens, the apocalypse whatever form it happens to take and um, removes all of the trappings of modern life that get in the way of people and what's in their heads. So uh, that means that, you know, there are no mobile phones or people who just slump in front of the TV of an evening, or even, you know, lazily go to Google to look up the answers to things. Or well, you've got none of those trappings of modern life. All you're left with is people and their hopes, their fears, their dreams, their relationships, the politics, and the zombie apocalypse movie brings all of those things into really sharp focus. And ultimately, all marketeers, I think, should be zombie apocalypse fans because <laughs> you learn so much about people. And uh, having got hooked by The Walking Dead, I've, you know, since, uh, you know, watched all the movies uh, and uh, and all of the you know sideshows that go with it, and all of you know, it's a brilliant genre, and you learn so much about people. It's like the best research focus group in the world. So uh, clearly, you know, but what I'm hearing you say is we're getting to the heart of the matter. I had a client at dinner the other night say to me that they're teaching her daughter in school: if you can win the heart, the head will follow which yeah. I thought was just such a powerful statement. So I'd like to now transition us to, okay, we have people raw, exposed, down to their emotions. What is this cookie-less world we're talking about? What is the big news? What, what's going to happen? You know, Educate me and educate our audience about, hey, this is what we're going to be facing at very soon or right now. Tell, tell us about that. So um, what actually is going to happen is, is relatively unexciting. Um, all that is going to happen in 2022, and I think it's November 2022, um, third-party cookies will no longer be supported by Google Chrome. 
Okay. Um, and all that means is that ultimately brands will no longer be able to follow you around the internet. Um, and and because Chrome is, is, has such a high penetration a, uh, across um, the globe in terms of usage, it means that um, advertisers who have relied on third-party cookies to um, tell them where to uh, where to serve advertising to consumers, that will just no longer be available to them. Um, so that, that feels it, like it, a pre- that feels like a pretty big deal, given how important retargeting is. And um, so I, I don't know. I'm going to challenge you a little bit. Why is this not a big deal? It sounds like a pretty big deal. So it is a big deal, and it's a big deal because lots of brands have relied rather lazily, I would say, on third-party cookies. Um, and uh, what it means is that actually a lot of marketing is, in theory, going to get a lot less relevant, particularly display advertising. Um, I suspect it might not actually get that much less relevant because I'm not sure it's particularly relevant as it is. Ah, I think I think there there are assumptions made about people based on third party cookie data that are not necessarily true assumptions. And I think actually um, digital display advertising in particular has never been particularly good at getting um, relevant messages to the right people. Um, so this forces brands to get to grips with first party data, which is very different to the to the third party cookie data. And actually, you will still be able to do retargeting using first party data and um, just not third party data. So you're you're going to be forced to use the better data in order to deliver, hopefully, more relevant, better targeted communications. So uh, and Elliot, I don't know if you have a follow up question, but I. And get ready for one. But so my question is, well, what happens if I don't have that first party data? Does that mean I need to, if I'm prospecting for new customers, does that mean I need to acquire the first party data? What's really going to happen? Let's pretend, okay, how, how is it really going to work? So uh, I do think that most brands are going to have to um, figure out how to deal with first party data. And, um, you know, there are lots of brands out there who have never really engaged with first party data in the past, partly because they've never really had the, the requirement to have a direct relationship with their consumers. Often there might be, for example, a, um, uh, there might be a retailer in between, for example, and the retailer holds that first party relationship. But I do think that brands are now in a situation where they are going to have to do progressive data capture Ah. um, and start to hold first party data that allows them to understand more about the customers that they serve and to uh, be able to serve them better. Ellie, did you you have a question? Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there and you talked about lazy retargeting and on a previous episode, we talked about my latest car buying experience that was so personalized. Part of that because the auto manufacturer did have some first party data on me, but how well they did it retargeting relevant ads in real time based on the features that I was actually engaged with, 
then on the right sites that correlated to those type of features. So exactly. And, but I've also noticed when I was doing some shopping for competitor brands that there was, you know, lazy retargeting done on their parts, just general, because they knew it was on their site. So any tips you could give to our audience on, you kind of touched on that and how to capture first party data, but other tips on how they could kind of get out of their own way when it comes to lazy retargeting and kind of move towards the future of, you know, personalized uh, targeting. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of this goes back to goes back to basics, really, in terms of really thinking about who you're targeting, like who are those people, and and thinking about you know methods of segmentation of those people that go beyond the the basic demographic information. And again, this is where lazy third party targeting often relies on um, you know high level demographic. Uh, assumptions that are made about people but actually just because I'm a 40 something year old woman living in uh, London with a family and uh, a Volvo and and whatever doesn't necessarily mean that I want the same as even somebody uh, with those that same profile who lives three doors down the road actually we might be very different people with very different needs very different uh, style preferences, uh, very different uh, attitudes. And I think this is where actually first party can really come into its own is that it can get to the individual and it can you can get to properly understanding the who um, and building information about the who. So first party data is not one and done, whereas third party cookies is kind of fluid and kind of... Um, you know, it, it's available to serve something to someone today, uh, right now. Whereas first-party data, you can build on that over time, and you can add layers of knowledge and add layers of insight and add layers of understanding of what works and what doesn't work to those people. So again, it is right back to those first principles of direct marketing, um, and that's that's what's going to become valuable um, as we move into a first party world. So I find it I find it interesting which is some of the old rules of birds of a feather flock together, you know, homogenous geography and zip code or community or postal code are lookalike audiences and I think what we're what we are learning as marketers is the day of homogenizing a community is over and yeah. that there is a million uniquenesses that drive our purchase decision and our preferences. And so you and your neighbor, while you might demographically look the same, your value systems could be as different as day and night. Yeah. And, and thus the brand market who doesn't start into the market by saying, no, everybody's different versus everybody is the same, is setting themselves up to not get the optimization from their investments. Yeah, and I think the um, the key is that today it's entirely possible to treat every single person as an individual and to recognize and reflect um, all of the information that is possible to know about that individual. Great. And, you know, that's possible today. It wasn't possible 20 years ago uh, when, you know, demographic segmentation was a thing, Um, but it is possible today. And so because you can, then you probably should. Good. Well, Shiona, I want to thank you for your time on uh, this episode to talk about the future of uh, the cookie-less world and really what it means and the challenges that marketers are going to have to face in terms of 
collecting and managing first-party data. Um, I want to encourage our audiences to listen to um, our next episode where Shiona is going to present um, a very unique and customized approach to uh, self-assessment of how marketers are going to be, how prepared they are for delivering personalized experiences. So on behalf of Elliot and myself, I want to thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes of this podcast. Until next time, I'm Russell Kern. The Continuous Revenue Marketer has been brought to you by Kern, an Omnicom precision marketing agency that helps Fortune 500 companies increase revenue from customer acquisition to loyalty through personalization at speed and scale. For more information, please visit kernagency.com.